Hey guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us for this uh, special episode where we're going to be starting to talk about becoming an Enneagram coach. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about something that's actually uh, very significant to all of our lives, whether or not we want to become a coach or not, but it's surrounded around what we, uh, Beth and I have learned to call head trash or limiting beliefs is what some people might call them. But it's these belief structures that actually play themselves out and sabotage us living out our sense of calling and desire. Um, now, understandably, it's in, these beliefs are intended to protect us from failure, from loss, um, but they actually kill desire, they kill hope, and we end up not following through on things that we really wish or dream that we could do. And so on today's episode, Beth's going to be sharing a little bit about her story. And then uh, we also have another guest, uh, Adam Breckenridge, our director of coaching here at Your Enneagram Coach. So uh, welcome, Adam. Hey, good to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. So why don't we go ahead and just dive in a little bit. And Adam, why don't you share a little bit about this idea? I mean, some call it the imposter syndrome, but, you know, what language you use and how would you define it? Yeah, so it's it's essentially, yes, you, you described it earlier, Jeff, you know, head trash, uh, limiting beliefs. Um, I'm an Enneagram six, so I'm, you know, the term I like to use is self-doubt. But it's essentially this belief that, there's this there's this underlying belief in there somewhere where part of you believes that you're a fraud and you know it's only a matter of time before everybody else figures it out and i'm going to be exposed and so um it's this psychological pattern you know a lot you, you a lot of times you, you hear the name imposter syndrome because that's what you feel like you feel like you're faking it till you make it and you feel like an imposter so that's i mean that's essentially you know my my description or definition of it. That's kind of what we're talking about. So, you know, there's a few th- ways in which this gets played out. I, one, as uh, Adam just mentioned, this idea of self-doubt kind of playing itself out over and over again. So it doesn't just show up in one area of our life. There's usually a pattern to it. Um, it shows up a lot in comparison with other team members um, and that maybe assuming that they're more gifted or more intelligent and so maybe passing on opportunities. Now we're also going to get into the flip side of this is that there were, as we walk through the Enneagram types, we're going to address what this looks like on the opposite side. So there's almost like a defensive strategy and an offensive strategy. So like for the type eight, uh, because they experience uh, their defensive mechanism is denial. They may not recognize self-doubt, and so, but they get more aggressive when they're ang- uh, actually anxious inside, but they wouldn't name it as anxiety, but it shows up different. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, oftentimes these, these beliefs, they sabotage uh, our efforts. Um, we, we lose satisfaction in what we're doing because we're always battling these beliefs. Uh, and then we can either kind of uh, move back from responsibility or work really hard with responsibility. Uh, We decline opportunities or we overbook ourselves in order to compensate for some of these fears. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes I I know I experience this, even it's hard to experience affirmation Mm. because if they, if I'm not sure I could do it again, So just because I did it once doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to do it in the uh, next. Well, Bethy, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because in 2016, um, you decided to start your Enneagram coach and having a front row seat to that process. Um, well, how did this show up in your life in creating your Enneagram coach? I didn't. <laughs> That's right. She she was great. It didn't she, no problems at all. <laughs> no. Uh so yeah, I mean I started learning about the Enneagram in two thousand one and 
you know, it wasn't until 2016 that I actually, you know, started something. Um, so yeah, there's always that thought of, but I, I could know more or do I know enough? Um, is what I'm going to say going to have great impact for others? Or are they going to look at me like, really, that's all you have to say? Or that's all the help I'm going to get here? Um, I mean, just it just goes on and on. Do I know what to do? Do I know how to build a business? Do I know how to uh, find clients and for them to see what I have to offer is beneficial and they actually sign up? I mean, all of these thoughts were huge obstacles for me. Like you said, head trash, limiting beliefs. And of course, with your own type, then it just adds all the more. So the nine is, but what do I have to say? My voice doesn't matter or don't assert myself. Don't look arrogant. Don't promote yourself and your business. That's, you know, going to, not, you know, show, uh, people, you know, your kindness and your, your humble. And yet how do you grow a business without marketing yourself? So there's just all of these limiting beliefs and self uh, sabotaging patterns that do happen. And I'll be honest, you know, I just, there was one day that, well, this was all uh, culminating within me. I kind of knew the direction I wanted to go, but all of these thoughts were much louder. And it wasn't until God really just met me one evening where I felt very overlooked. And he just said, why are you so angry? And I'm like, are you serious? Like just kind of feeling like nobody wants to hear my voice. Like, what does it all matter? And he just was really patient and just said back to me again, no, really, why are you so angry? And it was clear as day. I'm angry because I overlook myself. Basically, I'm self-sabotaging myself. I'm believing these lies and I am not actually getting out there and doing the hard work. I haven't even really tried to see what he would do in and through me. And that was the turning point. So it was shortly after that, you know, we got the domain name, um, you know, we bought it from uh, Lee Kramer and we kind of pushed the the pedal to the metal, and here we are. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, one thing that's interesting about your story is that although there were self-reinforcing beliefs, but there were other reinforcing beliefs as well. Uh, tell the story about you being a five-year-old entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So my dad, this was back in like 1980. So yes, I'm dating myself folks. Um, but yeah, back in 1980, I was five years old and my dad was, a uh, an allergist. And back in those days, drug pharmacy reps would come to the office and give them like these little trinkets, um, to hand out to their patients. It could be pads of paper, could be pens, you name it. Well, the ones that he got this time were little address books that you could put in your shirt pocket and they were super thin, super cheap. Like no one wants these things. And so he brought them home. There's like 12 of them. And cause he liked, he knew I liked to play office, you know, where I'm like, you know, um, an office manager or something and a cash register and all that stuff when I was five. So I brought them home probably for me to use. And I was like, Oh, what can I do with these? And then I had this genius idea of I'm going to go sell them to my neighbors for five cents each (laughs) (laughs) and they're going to love it. So here I am at five years old going door to door, (laughs) my neighbor (laughs) selling these drug rep. I mean, the drug name is on the front of this cover, you know, and they're like, of course everybody wants this. They're like, they're like bright blue, like they're just so unattractive. Um, but of course they want to write. And I could, I mean, looking back, you know, my neighbors were just so sweet and had a huge smile. And I mean, I was only asking for five cents. <laughs> so they were so accommodating and dear, endearing and gave me the five cents. And there was two neighbors. And then I think my mom saw what I was doing. That's right. <laughs> well, this is interesting because it stuck with you. I mean, your mom saw it. And what did your mom say? Well, she called me back and she was like, we don't sell these things to our neighbors. And, but it was, it really was a pattern of your mom on appropriateness. She's a type six mm -hmm. appropriateness and, and not kind of projecting yourself onto other people or pursuing a passion. And well, probably also not selling things that you shouldn't really necessarily be (laughs) selling (laughs) to your neighbors. Well, what's other also interesting, Bethy, is that um, so there was a conversation that uh, that I hear you bring up every once in a while of you and I at Chewy's Mexican Cantina, 
where you were sharing this was early see oh she just rolled her eyes the audience can't see this but she just rolled her eyes (laughs) i didn't know you were gonna bring this one up but uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's right so but so you know what i'm talking about now but this was before the launch and beth is basically sharing vision and of course i i want to share wisdom (laughs) in reality but why don't you tell the story Yeah, so I had been working for about a month. This is before YEC started. but And I'd been, well, I'd been conceptualizing what do I want to do when our kids get older? Um, Because they were kind of on high school years. And as a nine, I knew this is going to take me probably several years to figure out what I want to do. So I was kind of getting to that point where I was like, oh, I think I see a vision of what I want to do. So I spent about a month and I talked with some other um, actually therapists in the area that had kind of similar practices. But of course, I was going in the coaching direction and just really thinking through what I felt my calling and my heart was. So I mapped it all out. And a lot of actually what we do today in YEC comes from those original documents and concepts that I put together. So I, I showed you and I'm like, I'm giggling because this story gets even better. Like, yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to show it to him. And it's taken me a long time to kind of get here. And of course, as a nine, it's like, don't assert your voice. Don't assert your voice. Don't, don't do it. So I did it. And now I was working part time and you were still, you were still looking for That's a right. pastor yeah. job. Mm-hmm. And so my, my part-time job was significant. Um, and so you can imagine here, I'm telling my type six husband, all these entrepreneur dreams that I have, no one's doing Enneagram coaching. Okay. So That's this right. is, <laughs> no one's doing this and I'm proposing this big vision and, and it's landing on him in that season of our life as you can't stop working, Beth. <laughs> And that was not what I was proposing. I was just proposing a vision of what we could build up to. Um, and, and I was thinking, and I really, uh, our, our designer, uh, Jane Butler, um, and so that's who we give credit to this platform, and she's fantastic. But she once uh, told her, her husband that when she has an idea, that start with the wow before the how. <laughs> and I jumped in on the how. Like, <laughs> yes, hey, you Bethy, did. like you're thinking really big here. Like, I don't, I, I don't want you to be disappointed when, you know, maybe a few. And I, and I giggle now. Like, I mean, here, seriously, folks, I mean, look at how significant your Enneagram coach is. I mean, we've got coaches in over 20 different countries now. And there I was at the table like, hey, Beth, you need to mitigate your desires and, and not do too much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I call this part of me Quinn because she quits. <laughs> and she was just like, like just the fail safe of like a bank vault, just mm-hmm. kind of coming in and closing off. You know, the nine withdrawals, and like I said what I needed to say. I asserted myself, and, and though Jeff's heart was trying to be helpful, it only reemphasized my own head trash of. Don't speak up. Don't assert yourself. Don't think too much of yourself. You, you know, ah, uh, can you really do that? Is anyone going to listen? Um, it just reinforced that head trash, though that wasn't your intention. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of shut down probably for a couple of days. Wouldn't you so, say? I mean, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, I, but there's, there's part of this to recognize that one, there is your personality that you bring a perspective to your own limiting beliefs. Um, but number two, you also have relationships that reinforce that belief. That's right. So you interpret it through the lens of your type. So let's say, you know, maybe a type three would have interpreted my response to her or her mom's response to her, uh, in different, but a three would interpret it differently according to whatever limiting beliefs that they may have. Well, Adam, what about you? So you know, we were talking about planning out this podcast and ask you a particularly vulnerable question, which we we do practice what we preach here at your Enneagram <laughs> coach. And so as a team, we do converse a lot in all of our planning about our type and how we're engaging according to our type. And so I ask Adam, like, hey, you're the director of coaching. Uh, you're an Enneagram coach. Like what what head trash has that revealed uh, in you? Oh, how long is this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> well, Beth doesn't have any head trash, and and I have, <laughs> I have, um, I've sanctified all of mine. So That's I have right. memorized enough Bible verses. Sure. I've prayed enough. I've fasted and have removed them all. If only. That's so right. there's a lot of space for you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, there there can be a lot of uh, worst case scenario thinking um, as a six when it comes to entering into a new space or new territory. And so having been a pastor for almost 20 years, you know, Jeff, I love the way you frame, you know, our heart for, for our coaches, you know, for those of you listening, Jeff, you know, one of the ways that Jeff and Beth cast vision uh, to me and stepping into this role is um, think about this, like shepherding our coaches. And that, that really does decrease a lot of the the fears and the anxiety when I think about it in those terms, but still, I mean, I have limiting beliefs. I have, you know, the, the what ifs are almost never ending, you know, just Hmm. there's, there's constantly, there's an inner committee constantly asking, what about this? What if I'm not an expert in this area? What if I don't know enough? What if I, you know, what if when I get, I call that part of my heart buddy because it starts with, but what about this? But what about this? But what about (laughs) this? And so buddy has been there from early on. He's a dear friend of mine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, and he's really trying to protect and trying to help, you know, he's trying, he's trying to help me not fail. He's trying to help me not face what I'm most afraid of. Um, but, but in doing that, that's a gift. It's in a sense that, yeah, we don't, we don't want to say that these things all in of themselves are bad or wrong. That's right. That can be a real gift, but at the same time, if not stewarded well with our heart, it can sabotage. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening, but when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. That's right. That's right. And so the, the, one, of the, one of the ways, one of the most helpful frameworks I've had to think about my own buddy, and I really should name this part part of myself, Jeff. Maybe I'll just steal buddy. And that's, that's all. <laughs> buddy's a, a buddy. Yeah, buddy's a buddy. <laughs> and there's a lot of people in the world named buddy, right? So I've got a buddy, you've got a buddy. So with me, my buddy, you know, it, it, fear, can, fear can either give, give me a gift or it can impair me and hinder me and sabotage me. And so the gift that my, that buddy can bring, the gift that this fearful worried part of me can give me is that fear can lead to wisdom. Fear can lead to preparation. So I can walk through the door of my fear into prayer and preparation. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to approach this to, to, you know, to use an illustration, I'm going to approach this like a farmer, right? I'm going to, I'm going to cultivate and do all the hard work and learn and grow but I'm going to trust God with what I don't have control over and I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to, I'm going to, so I'm just going to trust him. Right. And so I'm going to, but I'm going to prepare, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to prepare or fear buddy can, can lead to, you know, if, if, if I don't pay attention to him and shepherd him, he will lead me into an impairment of fear, which is full blown anxiety. And so now I'm Mm. all in my head, worst case scenario, I'm not present. Um, I'm, I'm fighting for control. I don't feel safe. I'm suspicious. I'm, I don't trust myself. And that's a bad space. Not that I've ever been in that space. Um, but that's a, that's a bad space. You know, it, 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 it brought to mind for me hearing that Adam, um, I remember I, 
uh, my parents, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and uh, for a season, my parents would go country western line dancing uh, at the Texas Stroll in Mesquite, Texas. And so every Saturday night, our parent, my parents and a few other friends and parents would all go to uh, country dancing, and we'd stay at one another's house. And I remember staying at one person's house and realizing I'm way in over my head. Like they were doing some things that uh, were not safe or helpful for them. And I was there observing. I think that was the first night that I remember ever trying Copenhagen. Oh. And how old were you? I don't even remember. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like best getting into counseling. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us how old you feel. (laughs) Oh, poor little little Jeffrey. I mean, like I just felt so sick to my stomach. I had this head buzz going on. And I just realized like that I was in over my head. And... It was subtle. It wasn't like intentional, but one, I assumed that it was my choosing of why I'm there, even though my parents sent me over here and we had a babysitter and all that stuff. Mm. But number two, it was almost like I made a vow, like never get in a position where you are unprepared. And that part of me is called Tommy, by the way. And I've named a variety of, I've got a committee and they are they are well versed in how to live life and tell me what to do. And Tommy will tell me like, don't be get into a situation where you're ill prepared. And so, but that belief limits a lot of life because life is very complicated. That's right. And the roles that God may bring us in really are opportunities for us to grow in understanding of his compassion, of his grace, of his faithfulness and his power and his wisdom. And But if I play it safe, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to live a less dependent life, mm. a less curious life. Mm. Well, we all know that, that everybody has these things, and but it does show up differently for each Enneagram type. And so what we're going to do for this next section is just talk through examples for each type. And we're going to look at it from two angles. One is potential like a limiting belief, but then on the other side of it, there are assumptions that the type makes of why they become whether or not they should become or how they answer the question, should I become an Enneagram coach? And then uh, Beth's going to close us out with uh, how each type can make a great Enneagram coach. Mm-hmm. And so um, why don't we, uh, Adam, why don't you start us off and just walk us through and then Beth and I can uh, comment as you're going along. Yeah, sounds great. So um, we'll start with with type ones. And so and these these are these are general, you know, so if you're listening and, and um, maybe we don't, exactly put into words how this shows up for you. We're sp- I mean, what a privilege for type ones. Like I'm just realizing like we always start with type ones. We do. <laughs> so, so how, how about this? Let's just do something crazy. Let's start with type six. Oh, we'll, okay. We'll go six, right. five, four. And we'll, what, so six is you're up. Like we're going to get to you early. <laughs> That's, hey, I love that. Cause I, here's what I've, I've started with type nines before and I've started with type one uh-huh. before, but I've never started with a type six. So this is great. That's right. We're so, um, so yeah, so some of the limiting beliefs, if you're, if you're an Enneagram coach and you're a type six, or if you're a six and you're thinking about coaching, so I've already kind of tipped my hat to some of this, but there's, there's an inner committee that's constantly asking, what if, you know, what, what about this? What if I'm not an expert? What if I don't know enough? And really, I think sixes are equal opportunists when it comes to being fearful and anxious. And so we, <laughs> that's right. we will borrow all the other types fears and make them our own. <laughs> So, you know, whereas a one might be worried about that is way too uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you wanted to start here. Okay. So, uh, like, you know, so a a type one might be fearful of what if I'm not good enough? Well, that shows up as a six or a type two. What if I'm not helpful? Sure. So what if I fail and I'm exposed as a type three? Well, that, that, that can easily show up for me, especially since I have a strong three part. Well, one of the interesting things, too, is that uh, as a six, we can jump into things trying to save people like we're anxiously trying to do something. And so there's another side to this anxiety we're experiencing as a coach that we can be react to the fear Mm -hmm. and try to save people. Mm -hmm. And and we know these kinds of sixes because they show up kind of like ones or twos that they're inserting themselves into Mm -hmm. 
people's lives saying like you need to be careful you need to follow these rules mm-hmm. um beth is uh, nodding over here like yeah yeah i, I have experienced that before <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> see this is unfair adam you don't have your wife with you on this call so. <laughs> well then i mean but let's also look at the the positives because and i think for sixes this is really difficult because i think sixes genuinely have a hard time affirming themselves Mm. or receiving affirmation. So sixes, you make excellent Enneagram coaches. You are incredible troubleshooters and problem solvers. You're also calm uh, in a crisis. So when someone brings something to you, you can really sit in it Mm. and really help navigate what's going on for them. You're loyal, reliable, and you are there for your clients to the very end. And then you also offer a lot of warmth and wit in really tough situations. So laughter can be a really great, um, like great medicine for a situation. And you guys can really bring that in the right moments. So sixes, even though yes, there's going to be the head trash, don't forget who you really are and how much we need you to show up. Mm. Fantastic. Well, why don't we move on to type five? Yeah. So, um, limiting beliefs, you know, what if I don't know enough? What if I get into this, you know, coaching arena and I prove to be incompetent, you know, or another, another core fear, uh, some of the head trash that can show up for a five is this core fear of catastrophic depletion. You know, what if I, what if I pour out to the point of no return? What if I, what if I give too much of myself away and I'm, I'm invaded, you know, to the point where I, mm-hmm. I lose myself completely. So those, those can be some of the, some of the limiting beliefs. And I'm not sure what you would add to that, but. Um, yeah. You know, the one thing that comes to mind too, and, and this is a, a, a subtle strategy that I've experienced with fives is that sometimes fives are so assured of their understanding of something that it's like, you can't get it right without me. Yeah. Now you're getting um, into the assumption, right? This is some of the assumptions. That's right. Yeah. This is the assumption part of it where it's almost a place of arrogancy and pride, which can feel a little off when you're relating to a five because they can be so withdrawn at times. But then when they really are assured of something and the, uh, maybe a mistake's being made, they, you know, they, they will show up strong like you're not getting this right. And which can be a, a negative motive for actually becoming a coach is that it's not about sharing your insights. It's actually inviting them to reflect upon their own life so that they can overcome the problems that they're facing. Well, so fives, you guys make excellent Enneagram coaches because you're so insightful. You have educated yourself very well and you don't allow your emotions to overtake you, which allows you to enter a space with a client in a very calm, secure atmosphere. But you also observe and notice things that most people don't, which allows you to bring insight and understanding as you reflect Christ and his wisdom to your clients. And then last but not least is that you guys can uh, deconstruct um, obstacles that your clients seem to like not be able to get through, like some walls that are there because fives are able to see it in a totally new light, a way that none of us really will think about. Plus you have this filing cabinet literally in your mind of all the things you've learned and you simply just go to a certain filing cabinet, bring out some insight and knowledge and you apply that. So you know how to deconstruct these walls and help uh, your clients to envision a new path. Alrighty, let's dive into type fours. Type fours. So what if I'm missing something? You know, I really want to coach. I feel called to coach. I want to, I want to do this, but what if I don't have within me the thing I need? Like what if I don't have what it takes? What if I get into the coaching arena and I prove to be inadequate? And this is also, you know, Jeff, you mentioned this earlier. This is a place where um, if you're a type four coach, uh, this, the imposter syndrome can show up through comparison. So uh, you can look at other coaches, look at other you know experts or whatever, and and just feel like, man, I'm 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 almost envious of something. There's something they have that I don't have, and it's going to keep me from from flourishing or from actually helping in this space. Yeah, and, and I think one of the assumptions that fours can make um, about coaching is that because they're so deep, because they're so self-reflective, that they want to in they want to bring people into their space mm-hmm. versus simply recognizing that people have their own path 
and their own way of in, in engaging with their worlds. And so it it's this presumption that, well, I I know what I'm doing and you should learn what from what I'm doing versus being available to help a person to self-discovery. But when they're aligned with the truth of the gospel and living in a really great space, fours are excellent coaches because they help their clients to become fully self-aware and actually express themselves in an authentic and deep way. Now, a lot of times, this is very new to a lot of their clients. This isn't a place that they typically go to, but fours are very comfortable in feeling uh, difficult emotions, and therefore they invite their clients to go into this space. And the fours can sit there for a very long time, and that is very comforting to those that really need it. But also fours are so good about creating an atmosphere that is welcoming, that is allows you to go deep, that your clients feel very comfortable in that atmosphere. So fours make excellent coaches, especially for those that need to go to those hard places that you have a not only a listening ear, but a heart that empathizes and understands. Fantastic. Already type threes. I mean, type threes are the best coaches. So let's just be honest. Like do, They get the gold star. They get the gold star. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, they, they are great. They are. They really are going to be amazing coaches. Um, all you type threes who are better than all of us. Um, so some of those limiting beliefs, you know, what, what if I fail? There's this fear of, of failure. There can be this fear of being exposed, uh, fear of, you know, of, of, of being essentially worthless. Uh, what if I don't have within me what it takes? What if this proves that I'm not enough? And so this can, you know, again, this is a fear that's trying to protect you from that. So it's a part of you that wants to keep these, can, you know, keep these things from happening. So it has really good intentions and, it can really sabotage you and keep you from from doing what God made you to do. Right. Yeah. And you know, one of the, uh, to elaborate on that a little further as well, that you know, the the enneagram does speak to a lot of interior stuff and dynamics, which a lot of threes are afraid of, afraid of addressing in themselves. And so, mm-hmm. the fact of going with someone there uh, can sound overwhelming. And I think one of the assumptions that a three can make is that you know, people are not a to do list. And it, they can really coach from the perspective that like it's a project. And if, if you'll do these things, you'll, you'll, your right will be rightly, your life will be rightly ordered. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's like this, it's like you can make the assumption that coaching is an efficient process. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, yeah, if you've been married longer than a honeymoon, you know that uh, you cannot change your spouse. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I didn't, there was nothing to change, Bethy. I mean, you're right. fantastic. Yes, yes. You, you were totally, you were good Keep to go. Keep saying that, Jeff. Keep saying that. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, so threes, you do make excellent coaches. You have this entrepreneur spirit that really helps you to set up a successful coaching business. And the potential is just right before you because you know how to transform lives, you know how to encourage them, you set up great to-do lists, goals, missions, and you help them to accomplish that. You really are a great cheerleader for your clients, Um, but you also are able to quickly adapt to any situation and scenario. So if your client comes one week with something completely different, you know how to adapt and to help them transform. And so what we really hope that you guys recognize type threes is how you can embody a Christ-likeness of celebrating any type's uniqueness, but also providing them direction and input that keeps them moving towards a goal that they uh, really are hoping to obtain. All righty, type twos, you're up next. Yeah, type two coaches, if that's you, you're, you're, you're probably familiar with this inner narrative that, that says, what if I'm not helpful, you know, or, or what if I get into this and I, uh, I cause more hurt than help? You know, what if a client rejects me and, and it, and it proves that I'm actually not needed or not wanted in this capacity, you know, type twos have the core desire to be loved and wanted, which can deteriorate into this, this need to be needed. And so there can, there can be this real core fear of, of rejection, not being wanted, not being needed. And it can be, it can be a place where getting into the coaching arena, it can, it can really make things fuzzy and be, be a lot of head trash that you have to deal with. And one of the flip sides for the type two and how this shows up anxiously, but is their desire to save people, mm-hmm. to insert their presence 
and like you you can't grow without me uh and it it actually kind of undermines the very thing that you want which is to serve this person in a way that they experience care and love and guidance but by coming in uh with such a, a strong uh, passion or intent to change someone, um, it can actually get in your way as a coach. But they do make excellent coaches, and here's how. So type twos, you are natural motivators and encouragers. You come along your clients and you spur them on towards growth and transformation. But you also are very sensitive to your clients' feelings. And just like Christ, you are you generously will go the extra mile for your clients by supporting, helping, and caring for them right where their needs are. And your clients will feel safe opening up to you because you are warm, loving, and an empathetic presence to them. Awesome sauce. Well, why don't we go to type one? Type one, we've we've made it back to you. Um, That's right. Yeah, we're, you're there. You're in the middle of the herd now. Here we go. Oh, what does that feel like as a one to... Not be number one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Open up and share about that. <laughs> so there's, yeah, this, this fear of getting it wrong, you know, right. Can show up for you. What, what, what if I'm not good enough? This core fear of, of not, not being good. What if I'm bad at this, you know, and, and the inner critic man can really grab onto those narratives mm-hmm. and confirm those limiting beliefs and push those narratives to try to keep ones from facing their their biggest fear of being bad or being being you know not good or not not doing it the right way not having the right information or techniques and so this can be uh this can be a, a place where the imposter syndrome plagues a type one coach well one thing that comes to mind and i as, as we're talking is how the instinctual subtypes play themselves out and i'm particularly mindful as of it as we talk about a type one, because there's there's certain ones that really are much harder on themselves than they are other people. Mm-hmm. And then there are ones who insert their presence into the lives of other because they're trying to reform not only themselves, but to reform the world. Um, but both of those beliefs, actually, when, when you start to think of yourself in the role of savior um, and that, that people need you and they need this, um, you know, there's a phrase in, uh, in, uh, the recovery world, uh, that recovery is for people who are, yeah, recovery is for people who want it, not people who need it, um, that people have want to change, but it would be wrong for a one to assume like, uh, I am here to make sure that this person change changes. And it's, these are the steps of how we're going to get there. Mm. But when they're doing really well and they're, they are aligned with the truth of the gospel, uh, type ones, man, they really shine as Enneagram coaches because the clients that they have totally trust when the type one uh, coach shows up because they're organized, they're honest, they're purposeful, and they spend their time um, on the client's highest needs and do it with such integrity. They also provide a very clear path to transformation as they guide their clients with a Christ-like patience. And then also I just want to mention that um, they have an inner knowing of what is right and wrong, which allows them to be fair-minded, reasonable, and grounded when they're working with their clients. And this helps their clients to feel this kind of sure foundation in which they can kind of rest on as they're going through the coaching process. All righty, we're moving on to Type nines. I don't. Can type nines be good coaches? <laughs> I gave him the evil eye That's just right. to let you all know. Yes. <laughs> nines, you're too ambitious and need to get you back into reality. <laughs> don't speak that over me. <laughs> don't exercise. Don't exercise that voice now. Just keep it. Keep it. Yeah. I'm not listening to the head trash. <laughs> My wife, who's also a type nine, if, if she were in here, would be giving me the evil eye as well. <laughs> so yeah, and Beth, you know, you 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 mentioned this earlier. The, these limiting beliefs of, um, you know, my presence doesn't matter, which couldn't be more untrue. Uh, but what if I don't matter? You know, why why should I even show up? What do I have to give? What do I have to offer? This is this is some of the head trash that can really plague um, and frustrate a, a top nine who's trying to run after you know, um, their, their healthy anger, as you were re- referencing earlier, Beth, the healthy anger mm-hmm. and the desire that God's put in them to help 
to coach, to lead. This is some of the stuff that can get in the way for them. Hmm. Well, Bethy, what do you think? What are What's a wrong assumption about how a nine can enter into wanting to become a coach? Well, we do see all perspectives. So sometimes we can come in like, oh, I've got you. I get it. Mm. You know, when maybe we don't understand the full picture or the the complete story. And so I think uh, a type nine can assume too much that they get it just based off of they have that, that gift to see a person's perspective pretty easily. So we need to take a little bit more time to ask good questions and to explore their story a little bit more. You know, one of the things that I, and this is, is kind of remarkable as part of your story is that sometimes, like in one way, you got what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, whoa. Wait a minute. Because <laughs> <laughs> as a nine, I'm like, wow, this is a lot of work. Yeah. Right. And so, I love it. And it's also hard. So there's this sense there. There's this naivete that can come with a nine that, oh, this is just going to be great. Like I'm, they almost like living in denial of how much work it's going to take and how difficult it is in, in coaching and helping people and thinking of questions. And so um, that I mean, it. the great thing is, is that the nine is fully equipped to be able to do all of these things. Mm. So it, it's but it is something that can be surprising to a nine if they come in kind of with rose colors glasses. But when we nines press through all of that, which all types have to press through these, uh, this head trash and limiting beliefs. But when we press through, we make excellent coaches because just like I said, we do see all perspectives. So we can come to another uh, person, a client, and they can feel this sense of calm and peace in that situation as they share their their heart more freely because they don't feel judged. They feel very received by their type nine coach. And then type nines um, are very steadfast and they're always bestowing kindness and grace and compassion to their clients, which really helps their clients especially in a client's up and downs, right? There, we all have these ups and downs and the clients can feel this kind of foundational piece of, that the nine brings, which is this quiet strength, patience, and comfort that nines bring to their clients. Alrighty, type eight, cheer up. Type eights don't have limiting beliefs, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There's nothing that an eight can't do. That's right. We actually asked one of our team members this today yeah, just because we, we wanted to really make sure, like, let yeah. us know how you see this because we wanted to speak, you know, from the heart of the eight. So this was, it was really interesting, um, Adam, what she had said, right? It was very interesting. Yeah. We, we asked, you know, how d- does self-doubt show up for you? And that's why it's helpful if you, if you're listening, we're, we're using different, different languages and phrases to describe this head trash, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, fear, and everybody has fear. Mm-hmm. And so some of the fears that she talked about with, with coaching others is, you know, what if I'm too much for my clients? You know, what if I'm, what if I'm too strong? And then we kind of got underneath that a little bit. And there's also a fear, you know, that she talked about of what if I'm not strong enough to protect my clients, which would be an eight's right. biggest fear to, to not have the strength to protect, which is, you know, what God, God just put them here to do that. So what if I don't have enough strength to protect my clients? That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, a limiting belief or a, a core fear. Uh, and, you know, I think on the flip side of kind of the uh, assumptions that an eight can make that would lead them into coaching, but maybe from uh, a bad place in their heart is this, this I, if, if they've not done their own work, but yet are demanding people to do their work and are pressing them to do it and challenging them rather than exercising patience mm-hmm. and empathy for what people are experiencing. And so it, this idea that they can move in and help people to change and it's, we're going to get it done. Get in, get in the there and three or the one. Yeah. Sorry. Get in there and take control. Right. That's, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. But man, eights, you make excellent coaches because you have this instinctual nature about yourself that sees possibilities in your clients that no one else has seen. And you know how to name it and, and to cheer them on really plowing a path for your clients. You're, you champion them, you protect them, you help them to um, kind of reach their dreams by being this kind of 
beautiful force of nature on their behalf. And you also bring courage and self-assurance that energizes your clients as you lead them in that path of transformation. And then you'll see your, your clients really achieve the dreams that they wanted because you've helped plow a path in front of them. Instead of them having to do all the work on their own, they feel like, oh, I've got this teammate with me, this friend, this coach that is helping to guide the way. So eights, you make excellent coaches. Mm-hmm. All righty, type sevens. Last but not least. Type sevens. So because the Enneagram and because the world of coaching does plunge us beneath the surface and it does take us into the interior world, um, sometimes uh, for a type seven, there can be this fear of getting sucked into someone else's pain. Um, and having to feel pain too, having to feel maybe even their own pain, um, getting trapped in that emotional uh, place of discomfort. And so um, those can those can be things that can kind of get in the way for a type seven or even even, you know, what if I'm what if I'm too scattered? What if I can't follow through and give this person what they need and, and what they're looking for? Yeah, I think one of the unhealthy assumptions that a seven can make about coaching um, relates to that very thing. It's almost like the flip side of it is that they like that, that it's all, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, that, and they're going to bring their levity, uh, their vivaciousness, their gregariosity. (laughs) 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 That's a word with sevens. You get it. So, um, the, but the idea, like they're going to, they're going to bring this energy to coaching and it's not going to be empathetic. It's not going to be connecting with the person that you're trying to help um, because it's more about your experience rather than theirs. Well, Type 7s, you make excellent coaches because you actually make coaching sessions fun and engaging and motivating because you can come up with these incredibly creative new insights and solutions that your clients haven't really thought through. And this can really spur them on to further development and envisioning all the possibilities that lie before them. And you love life. And this bleeds into your clients and they feel this external optimism that comes from you that inspires them to pursue their dreams and to overcome obstacles. So I hope that what you guys are just hearing from us today is that each one of you is going to have limiting beliefs, whether in head trash and self-doubt and fear that will self-sabotage you, whether it's becoming a coach or any other career that you have, um, that these things do take place but they are not to stop us. In fact, Christ has given us the the passion and the drive and the freedom to move forward with the help of the Holy Spirit to go in the direction that he has called us. And so we constantly need to own these, you know, this head trash, the limiting beliefs, bring it to him and ask him to help us to clear this out of our mind and to believe in what he has called us to do and that he will make that path uh, doable and um, exciting in lots of different ways. I know for me, gosh, waking up every day as a type nine and going against the head trash of my, my voice doesn't matter. My presence doesn't matter. It's real guys. Every single day. It's not like I, I fin you know, like in 2016, I started it and <laughs> never right. struggled again. It is every day, but I also praise God for his Um, him enabling my heart to take the next step each and every day. And some days I don't, right? Some days it's like, oh, it it feels like I'm walking in concrete. But then when I see lives transform right before my eyes, I praise God because I'm like, you gave me this ability to live a life, to watch people change right before me. I get to hear from them and experience what you're doing in their life. And I get to participate. And it's such a joy. I I literally, I tell people all the time, I have the best job in the world. Mm -hmm. And I really mean that because to watch God work in and through people, it's just like nothing else. You know, in, in light of that, our prayer and our hope for all you coaches or all you who are interested in coaching is that you will embrace who you really are in Christ and you'll, you'll anchor your hope in him and find your identity in him and align yourself with the gospel so that you can continue to be who he made you to be and have the courage to keep coaching because the world needs you. Each and every type makes a phenomenal coach. And we're living in a cultural moment, especially where we, we need people need help and and they need Enneagram is a great tool paired with the gospel to bring the transformation that, that we're looking for. So keep, keep coaching, keep getting after it. Well, there's this 
principle that uh, it's actually it was captured by a quote that we uh, read in one of Brene Brown's books um, that the cave you fear holds the treasure you seek. And the reality is, is that uh, whenever we take steps of faith into these areas versus, you know, the way that uh, Isaiah puts it and that limiting beliefs are more like uh, lighting fires for ourselves when we're feeling like we're walking in darkness. Mm. And he says, you know, go if the more you walk in light of your flames and the torches you've set ablaze, this is what you'll get received from me. You'll, you'll lie down in torment that those beliefs are tormenting your life mm-hmm. and your relationships. And it's not true. They're not and, true. That's right. And I mean, just think about it. I mean, as our listeners, Beth one day decided that, you know, I'm going to believe God and he has given me a voice. And think about because of that decision, what that's meant in your life and what it would have meant if she hadn't done that. Um, and so it, your, your life, your voice matters, and these beliefs are getting in your way. It also reminds me of the Apostle Paul and his descriptions of himself. And it's very subtle, but it speaks a lot. And where Paul early on in ministry said, hey, I'm the least of the apostles. Hmm. And then later on, he says that he's the least of God's people. I think that was in the book of Ephesians. And then in his letter to Timothy and later on in his ministry, he's finishing his race and he says, I am the chief of sinners. But that God had shown his grace in him so that he, God might display his unlimited patience on those who would believe. Mm-hmm. So and he wasn't saying that to put himself down. What he was saying is, I see more the reality that I need Jesus and he is here and true and does the work in and through me all the more. That's right. That's right. And so the reality is that the gospel is going to meet you. Mm. And by taking a step into something that feels uncomfortable, we actually end up experiencing more of Mm -hmm. all that our Heavenly Father is for us and the person and work of Jesus Christ that we now get to experience by His Spirit. And so... We are grateful that you've chosen to spend this last few minutes with us and talking about um, imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs. But we also hope that you hear the the beauty that uh, the life of faith lived out in love, love for God and love for other people and love and appreciation for yourself and how God has gifted you uh, to be a blessing in the lives of others. So thanks so much for joining us. Well, and we're going to open up our certification course called Become an Enneagram Coach in the end of June. So look out for that because we want you to join, not just because we just love the course and we think so highly of what we offer you guys, but because we know that it builds an army of people that are going to serve the Lord to help the gospel spread to others. So join us at Becoming an Enneagram Coach at the end of June. And don't forget, as always... The Enneagram reveals our need for Jesus, not our need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. 